So the first candle was the candle of hope. It was the candle where we talked about the hope that we have in Christ as he has come for us. So Advent means arrival, right? So we celebrate the first Advent, the first coming, the first arrival of Christ. And in the middle of Advent, we are anticipating the second coming, the second Advent of Jesus. And so the first candle is the candle of hope. The second candle is the candle of love. Um, today we lit the candle of joy. Next Sunday, this other purple candle, we will light the candle of peace. And next Sunday night at our candlelight service, we will light the final candle, the Christ candle, which is in the center of the white one. And so that's, that's Advent. And Advent is a time where, I don't know about you, but with, especially with our family, uh, we're constantly going. Like we're constantly busy and constantly running. I, are are y'all tired yet? Christmas is so busy to where we tend to lose sight of what Christmas is really about because we get into the busyness of it. And so Advent is a remedy to that. Advent, instead of just celebrating Christmas one day, we're celebrating it every day in the month of December as we are not only celebrating the first coming, but anticipating the second coming. So it slows us down. So here, for the past couple of Sundays, we've been going through Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I've never done a month-long series on one verse. So here we are looking at the four names that Isaiah gives Christ. We, we looked at last Sunday, Wonderful Counselor, how Christ is our wisdom, how he's full of wonder, and how as Counselor, which is another name for King, he leads us to new life. Because we, you know, after looking at Genesis 3 at the Garden of Eden, we are fallen human beings According to the Bible, sin has made us fools, and we need wisdom to know who Christ is. And so Christ is our wisdom, our wonderful counselor. Today we're going to look at mighty God. I'm excited about today because this has been very beneficial just in my own personal life as I've been reflecting on it and studying it this, this past week. So here at Red Cross, we like to stand in the honor of reading God's Word. So if you'll stand with me, we're just going to read the verse 6, Isaiah 9, verse 6, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get started. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for this time this morning that we get to come and worship you, celebrate you, learn about you. God, I pray that you'll help us to be encouraged this morning through your word. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right. I want to tell you the story of St. Nicholas. You ready for it? I'm not talking about Santa. I'm talking about a guy who was actually named St. Nicholas. He lived around 300 AD. He was an early Christian bishop in modern-day Turkey. And he was an attendee of the Council of Nicaea. Now, there was a debate at this council. 
Right? They were usually there were. Uh, if, if, if when we look at church history, there are councils that have met and have convened together to discuss heretical doctrine and to make it right. And so at this council, there was a debate on the divinity of Christ. There was this belief known as Arianism, where it was where they denied the divinity of Jesus. That, that, that they said he was not of the same substance of the Father, but of similar substance. But that's not the point of the story I want to get at. This is this is this is why I love Saint Saint Nicholas. Saint Nicholas was a staunch opponent of Arianism. He made a stand for the divinity of Jesus. He truly believed Christ was God. And so here at this council, there was a bunch of people. All right, St. Nicholas was one of them. But the other guy, the founder of Arianism, Arius, was there as well. And he was, he was making his stand that Christ was not divine, that he was not God. And so what does St. Nicholas do? According to legend, he punches Arius in the face for preaching such heretical doctrine. I know some of you are probably thinking like, wow, that's kind of violent for a Christian. Well, I mean, it was heretical. So, But St. Nicholas ended up getting arrested anyway and having to go to jail for it. But he, he made a firm stand on what he believed that day. Now, this is where we get the Nicene Creed from. I don't know if maybe you've heard of the Nicene Creed. I want to read it to you. I want you to read it with me. Okay? The Nicene Creed is a Christian creed that talks about the divinity of Christ. Alright? Now there's a word in there. Leslie already texted me and asked me about it. It talks about the Holy Catholic Church. It's not talking about the Roman Catholic Church. When it says Catholic, it means universal. Okay? It means the universal Christian church. Alright? So don't get hung up on the word Catholic. But Leslie's got it on the screen. I want you to read it with me. This is Christian doctrine. This is what we believe in. So read it with me. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light. Listen. Very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men, for our salvation, came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate, he suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe one holy, Catholic, universal, and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. 
And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. So much theology in that creed, right? This creed was made in 325 AD and it talks about the divinity of Christ. Now, we may not believe in Arianism, right? We may all sit here and say we don't believe with what Arius said. Christ is divine. What we're going to learn to today is he is the mighty God. But sometimes we may live in such a way that doesn't reflect our belief in the fact that Jesus is God. When I graduated Wingate University, I had to write a paper um, and my paper was called the Christian or it was, it was Christian atheism. And I talked about how it was, it was based off of like uh, Craig Rochelle's book, The Christian Atheist, and a few other resources about how there are people in the world who claim to be Christians, but live as if God doesn't exist. Well, I want to talk to you today about people in the world who live as if Christ isn't God and why we should believe that he is God. And so we're looking at the second name that Isaiah gives him this morning, Mighty God. <clears throat> So the main idea that I want to get across to you today is this. Because Jesus is our mighty God, we can face every circumstance with the strength found in Him. Because Jesus is our mighty God, we can face every circumstance with the strength found in Him. No matter what the circumstances may be, we can face them because He is our strength. Now I know Christmas season is a hard season. It's a hard season for so many people. We've had several people in our church who have lost family members. We've lost some people in our church around the season. I've got a friend of mine who was just a few years younger than me who just lost his wife to brain cancer. Devastating. We, uh, we were just told about my sister who has a family member on her husband's side, on Brent's side, who um, has just been diagnosed with terminal cancer and is pregnant. This is a hard season for a lot of people. We, we know of families around here who are poor, who will not be able to provide toys for their children on Christmas Day, much less food and clothes. Christmas season's hard for a lot of people, and it's probably hard for you this morning. You're probably wondering this morning, how am I going to make it through this season? How am I going to make it without my friend or my family member? How am I going to make it dealing with this illness or this struggle that I'm facing? How am I going to make it when I can't afford the gifts that my children want? Christmas season's hard for a lot of people. We need to recognize that. We do. But today I want to give you three truths about why this Christmas season, Christ as our mighty God, is so good for us. So here's the first truth. He protects us through our struggles. He protects us through our struggles. Now see how I'm saying through and not from, right? A lot of people in here can, can testify. Maybe everybody in here can testify that Christ does not protect us from all of our struggles. There are some struggles that he probably does protect us from, that he probably does prevent from happening within our lives. But every struggle we go through, he protects us through them. 
as our mighty God. When we look at mighty God, we look at strong, mighty, strong, strong God. It's an emphasis on strength here with the name mighty God. Because when we look at God himself, God is strong. But he's our mighty God. He protects us through our circumstances. Scripture promises us, though, that we will have troubles and tribulation. If anybody preaches the gospel to you that, that says that, this, that Christ will, will keep you from troubles, that, the, that, that this life is free from problems, they're lying to you. Look at, look at the apostles. Most of them were martyred. They were killed for their faith. Look at the church in, in the New Testament. They were persecuted. Look at the church today in other countries where it's not legal to worship. We're seeing on, on the news about every week about churches that are being blown up or, or, or shot up or, or, or people pulled in and arrested. I mean, we're, we're seeing persecution across the world. And look at Jesus. He was killed because of what he claimed to be. Christianity does not promise us a life free from struggles, but Christ does protect us through them. Understand this, that as believers, we are not promised a life free from it. But we are promised the presence of Christ. So Jesus doesn't protect us from our circumstances, but he protects us through them. When we first had Jaden, we were very nervous. You know, first time parents, some of y'all in here probably remember when you first had your child. We had Jaden in October, you know, because his birthday is in October. And so when we had it in October, it was the flu season. People were just getting sick left and right like they are today. And we were very nervous about people holding our child. We carried hand sanitizer around with us. We were those parents. But then in December, I got sick with the flu. And it's the worst I've ever been sick. I felt like I got hit by 10 Mack trucks. It hurt so bad I could barely get out of bed. I was so sick, my wife and Jaden, who was two months old at the time, went and lived with her mom while I was stuck at home by myself in the bedroom, quarantined like some you know, sick person with a plague. It was my idea that they left. But what we realized as parents was, is as, you know, when kids get sick, they, their bodies build up these antibodies. It's actually good for them to get sick because they tend to not get as sick, right? If you protect them from it, sicker they can get. But as they build up these antibodies, they actually grow stronger. It's weird, right? It's weird how God does that. Well, Scripture shows us that trials and, tri and tribulations are for our good. These struggles we encounter are for our good. They help us to grow spiritually, and they help prepare us for the future. So we look at James 1, where it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. So He doesn't protect us from all of our circumstances. But He protects us through them. What do I mean by that? He never lets us go. He's our mighty God. He has a strong hold of us. No matter what circumstance comes our way, 
whether it's cancer or abandonment, financial struggles, abuse, death of a family member or friend, anxiety or depression, no matter what it is that comes our way, nothing separates us from Jesus. Romans 8, 35 through 39, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us. From the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because He is our mighty God who does not lose His hold on us. And He's stronger than anything in this world. He's the, he is our mighty God who continues to be with us through our storms in life. He is our mighty God who keeps hold of us. He is our mighty God who knows what troubles we will encounter. And He is our mighty God who is bigger, greater, stronger, and mightier than any circumstance we may face in this sin-infested life. And let me tell you, you're going to face them, but thank God He never leaves us. Because He is our mighty God. This is a message for Christmas because it's hard for people. People are struggling. It's a season of joy, but we have to understand that it's not a season of joy because of our circumstances. It's a season of joy because Christ gave us the greatest gift ever, and that is Himself. Our joy is not in our circumstances, it's in our Savior. So not only does He protect us through our, our struggles, number two, He provides for our every need. He is our mighty God who provides for our every need. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he commends them for their concern for Him, and this is what he he writes in Philippians 4, 10 through 13, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Now I know we use this verse out of context so often. It's that coffee cup, that coffee cup verse that we love to hold on to. I know athletes like to use this verse when, 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 when like I'm going to score a touchdown because of the, the strength that Christ gives me. Well, what if Christ is giving the same strength to the other guy on the other team? See, this is the context of this verse is talking about suffering. And being in need. Christ is our strength. And if anybody knows what suffering is, it's Paul. Hunger, thirst, shipwreck, beaten, stoned. He has almost died several times. Understand this, church. No matter your situation, Christ will provide your every need as a believer in Him. Now, what we think we need and what Christ says we need can contradict Him, all right? My five-year-old has this idea that, 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 that he needs more ice cream before bedtime. And what is it, parents? That right before bedtime, it's like, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, 
I need a diaper change. I need to go to the bathroom. I want to stay up. Like this, everything goes wrong with the child right before bedtime. But our son thinks he needs more ice cream. Now, who's more wise here, our five-year-old or his parents who say no? Because we want you to sleep and we want to sleep. Christ knows our needs more than we do. And this may hurt a little, church, but we as believers who see the scripture telling us that trials are for our good need to understand that sometimes what we need is to be brought up. Sometimes what we actually need in our life is to be reminded, to, to be humbled, to be reminded of our need of Christ. Because when we're brought low, when we're humble, when we're in need, what ends up happening? Our eyes end up lifting up to Jesus. So sometimes trials come into our life because we need them to. And you're probably here this morning and you're hurting. It was probably hard for you to make it to church this morning because of your pain. You're probably wondering if you can make it through Christmas because of whatever trial or loss you're experiencing right now. Let me tell you this. Christ is here to provide for our every need. And our every need is found in who He is. When we are anxious, He is our peace. When we are scared, He is our courage. When we are hurt, He is our healing. When we are ashamed, He is our confidence. When we are depressed, He is our joy. When we are in need, He is our supply. When we are lost, He is our way. When we are doubting, He is our truth. When we are afflicted, He's our comfort. When we're poor, He's our treasure. And when we're weak, He is our strength. Everything we need is found in who Christ is. He is our mighty God, who we can trust to provide for our needs in this world. And if you need proof on why you can trust Jesus, look at the manger. The Son of God came to earth, took on human flesh, so that he could live the life we couldn't live and die the death we deserve to die. He chose to come down from glory to take on humanity so that he can suffer and die. He chose that for you. If we can trust Christ to do that for us, if he's willing to do that for us, if he's willing to provide himself for us, then we can trust Him to provide for our daily needs. Amen? Not only does He protect us through our struggles and provide us for our, our every need. Number three, He prevails on our behalf. He prevails on our behalf. He is our victor. He's our conqueror. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Church, Jesus came to live and die on our behalf. And guess what? He prevailed. He prevailed. He took our sin. He took our punishment. He is the mighty God who gave his, his life. Why? Listen to what John, John Calvin said. He said, for if we find in Christ nothing... If we find in Christ nothing but the flesh and nature of man, our glorifying will be foolish and vain, and our hope will rest on an uncertain and insecure foundation. But 
if he shows himself to be to us God and the mighty God, we may now rely on him with safety. With good reason does he call him strong or mighty because our contest, our struggle is with the devil, death and sin, enemies too powerful and strong by whom we would be immediately vanquished if the strength of Christ had not rendered us invincible. That's heavy. You think you can take on Satan? You can't. Christ prevails on our behalf. You're too weak. You cannot save yourself. Christ prevailed for us. He took sin and death face to face and beat him. Because of Christ's mighty act on the cross against the devil, death, and sin, he prevailed on our behalf so that we may be saved. He is our mighty God. And Isaiah here in, in, in chapter 9, verse 6, has prophesied that he is coming. And here's the thing, church, we're in the already and the not yet. Because according to Isaiah 9, 6, in our time right now, he's already come. But guess what? He's coming again to establish his throne, his kingdom here. He's coming to create a new heaven and a new earth. Question is, are you ready? He's our mighty God. We can face every struggle and circumstance in this life because of the strength that's found in Jesus. And I don't know what you're struggling with this morning. I don't. I know some of you of what you're struggling with. Some of it. But you know what's going on within your life. You know what's hard. You know what's heavy. You know what's making it difficult right now. Can I plead with you that you trust and rest in Christ, who is our mighty God, who provides the strength we need to encounter every battle we may face, who provides the peace that we need when we are anxious, who provides the joy that we need when we are depressed, who provides the healing that, that we need when we are hurt and the comfort when we are afflicted. And it's all found in who he is. I pray this Christmas season as we are focused on, 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 on his arrival and on his second coming. I pray that you are resting in that truth. Christmas is hard. I know. I know. But God, Christ is strong. And we can face every day with the strength that he provides. The altar is open. If you need to come and pray and leave it here, uh, like, I, like, like I tell you often, there is nothing magical or, or, or supernatural about the altar. But there's something supernatural about praying to God. And you may need to come up here and do it. There's something about leaving it here and walking away. But if you need to just pray at your seat, that's fine. If you need to go pray with somebody, that's fine too. Pop out of the aisle, go pray with somebody. Come pray with me, I'll pray with you. Please, please rest and trust in our mighty God who came to defeat sin and death on our behalf. He's a strong God, and if he can defeat sin and death, he can provide the strength that you need to face every 
single day of your life. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful, God, that you sent your son to be our mighty God, to defeat sin and death for us. And God, this Christmas, help us. Give us strength that we need to face each and every day. For some of us, it's a blue Christmas. For some of us, it's a hard Christmas. So God, we know that you provide the joy we need. We know you provide the strength we need, the peace that we need, the comfort we need. Help us. Help us. We ask this in your son's precious and mighty name we pray. Amen.